Welcome to Telling Tales Podcast. I'm Rissa Ree. Before there was Disney, there were several hundreds of versions of the tale Snow White. While the method of poisoning, the queen's bloodthirsty demands, or whether the coffin was made of lead, gold, or glass, has not prevented the incredible staying power and cultural durability of this tale. The heart of Snow White lies in its encapsulation of the development of a young woman. This modern adaptation of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves by Anne Sexton that you're about to hear is absolutely a critique of societal values that praise women for their beauty, purity, and docility. Snow White even marries a prince simply because he fell in love with her looks while she was in a slumbering, death-like coma. Snow White accepts that her beauty is her one true value and keeps the queen's judgmental mirror and the cycle is forever perpetuated. This is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves by Anne Sexton. No matter what life you lead, the virgin is a lovely number. Cheeks as fragile as cigarette paper, arms and legs made of limoges, lips like Vindurone, rolling her china-blue doll eyes open and shut, open to say, good day, mama, and shut for the thrust of the unicorn. She is unsoiled. She is as white as a bonefish. Once, there was a lovely virgin called Snow White. Say she was 13. Her stepmother, a beauty in her own right, though eaten, of course, by age, would hear of no beauty surpassing her own. Beauty is a simple passion, but oh, my friends, in the end, you will dance the fire dance in iron shoes. The stepmother had a mirror to which she referred, something like the weather forecast, a mirror that proclaimed the one beauty of all the land. She would ask, looking glass upon the wall, who is the fairest of us all? And the mirror would reply, You are the fairest of us all. Pride pumped in her like poison. Suddenly, one day the mirror replied, Queen, you are full fair, tis true, but Snow White is fairer than you. Until that moment, Snow White had been no more important than a dust mouse under the bed. But now, the queen saw brown spots on her hand and four whiskers over her lip. So she condemned Snow White to be hacked to death. Bring me her heart, she said to the hunter, and I will salt it and eat it. The hunter, however, let his prisoner go and brought a boar's heart back to the castle. The queen chewed it up like a cube steak. Now I am fairest, she said, lapping her slim white fingers. Snow White walked in the wildwood for weeks and weeks. At each turn there were twenty doorways, and at each stood a hungry wolf, his tongue lolling out like a worm. The birds called out lewdly, talking little pink parrots, and the snakes hung down in loops, each a noose for her sweet white neck. On the seventh week she came to the seventh mountain, and there she found the dwarf house. It was as droll as a honeymoon cottage and completely equipped with seven beds, seven chairs, seven forks, and seven chamber pots. Snow White ate seven chicken livers and lay down at last to sleep. 
The dwarfs, those little hot dogs, walked three times around Snow White, the sleeping virgin. They were wise and waddled like small czars. Yes, it's a good omen, they said, and will bring us luck. They stood on tiptoes to watch Snow White wake up. She told them about the mirror and the killer queen, and they asked her to stay and keep house. Beware of your stepmother, they said. Soon she will know you are here. While we are away in the mines during the day, you must not open the door. Looking glass upon the wall, the mirror told. And so the queen dressed herself in rags and went out like a peddler to trap Snow White. She went across seven mountains. She came to the dwarf house, and Snow White opened the door and bought a bit of lacing. The queen fastened it tightly around her bodice, as tight as an ace bandage, so tight that Snow White swooned. She lay on the floor, a plucked daisy. When the dwarfs came home, they undid the lace, and she revived miraculously. She was as full of life as a soda pop. Beware of your stepmother, they said. She will try once more. Looking glass upon the wall, once more the mirror told, and once more the queen dressed in rags, and once more Snow White opened the door. This time she bought a poison comb, a curved eight-inch scorpion, and put it in her hair and swooned again. The dwarfs returned and took out the comb, and she revived miraculously. She opened her eyes as wide as Orphan Annie. Beware! Beware, they said. But the mirror told, the queen came, Snow White, the dumb bunny, opened the door, and she bit into a poison apple, fell down for the final time. When the dwarfs returned, they undid her bodice, they looked for a comb, but it did no good. Though they washed her with wine and rubbed her with butter, it was to no avail. She lay as still as a gold piece. The seven dwarves could not bring themselves to bury her in the black ground, so they made a glass coffin and set it upon the seventh mountain so that all who passed by could peek in upon her beauty. A prince came one June day and would not budge. He stayed so long his hair turned green and he still would not leave. The dwarves took pity on him and gave him the glass snow white, its doll's eyes shut forever to keep in his far-off castle. As the prince's men carried the coffin, they stumbled and dropped it, and the chunk of apple flew out of her throat and she woke up miraculously. And thus Snow White became the prince's bride. The wicked queen was invited to the wedding feast, and when she arrived, there were red-hot iron shoes in the manner of red-hot roller skates clamped upon her feet. First, your toes will smoke, and then your heels will turn black, and you will fry upward like a frog, she was told. And so she danced until she was dead, a subterranean figure, her tongue flicking in and out like a gas jet. Meanwhile, Snow White held court, rolling her china-blue doll eyes open and shut, and sometimes referring to her mirror, as women do. True to classic fairy tale form, 
the absentee father is presumably the impetus for the competition of beauty that dominates the tale. In fact, Snow White is not all that interesting of a character without seven little dwarves and anthropomorphized woodland creatures to help her. She's just pretty and extremely gullible. The evil witch queen's character is undeniably a powerful and dynamic figure who drives the plot of the story to her death. Fairy tale experts Gilbert and Gubar suggest that the absentee father resonates through the mirror. Quote, his, surely, is the voice of the looking glass, the patriarchal voice of judgment that rules the queen's and every woman's self-evaluation. Effectively making the competitive nature of these two women about approval and love. I hope you enjoyed this tale. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I created Telling Tales to really dive into one of my true loves of life, fairy tales. If you love them too, then please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. You can stay up to date by following me on Instagram, at Telling Tales. Have a magical day.